Well, Leslie, little Landon Lee Moore, I think since he is your grandson and something we've been looking for for a lot of years, we're now related. Isn't that awesome? And uh, anyhow, my nephew, so this is my great nephew, and uh, will be her grandson. So it's always great. Don't you think that young people should meet each other in the house of God? Isn't that a great place to, to come to know Christ and, and, and meet Him? I'm going to do something this morning. I'm not singing. But I want, if you would please, we're going to be talking about anointing. And, you know, break open or break out and receive the anointing. And, you know, so many people will say, you know, in regard to anointing, anointing sometimes you hear in your Pentecostal circles and so on and so forth, but... I've been really, you know, as I pray and ask God to speak to me in regard to what messages he wants me to bring forth, I have to say to you that um, anointing has been on my heart for probably three months. And how to communicate anointing, how to speak on anointing, what is anointing. And I could probably make this a lengthy series of messages on just the anointing. How they made the anointing in Exodus chapter 30. And, uh, and yet how it was used, and yet I can continue to keep going through, you know, the scriptures and talk about uh, the different components of anointing. But today I'll try to wrap it all up and, and make it uh, enjoyable and yet educational as we learn the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. As you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Here's the question. Are you waiting on God? Or is God waiting on you? Are you waiting on God? Thank you. If somebody will grab me a bottle of water, I look back, my water's gone. And we start over again. Thank you. And everybody jumps up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, I appreciate your servant's heart. <clears throat> Are you waiting on God or is God waiting on you? We've all heard Christians say, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting for my breakthrough. And others would say, I don't know what God wants me to do. <clears throat> I haven't heard anything from him for the last six years. And that's probably why you haven't. He spoke to you two years ago, three years ago, six years ago. And maybe that's the reason why. Because when he spoke to you, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. That when he spoke to you, you never responded. The Holy Spirit anoints us with God's presence. It is important, it is imper imperative to have the anointing, the presence of God in your life. Now the word anoint, which most of you would probably say, I know what it means, means several different things. And so this morning... 
I'm going to walk through the congregation, and I'm, if just with, and we'll say it in the mic so others can hear. I've not done this before, but I want you to speak into the mic, Brother Todd. I'll let you kind of journey through, so I don't get any feedback. And uh, this is not turning green. That means it's going dead. Is that correct, sound man? Okay then. And uh, well, I just want everybody to know that we are blessed to have a bunch of new mics. So we'll just go on to the next one. How's that one for you? Praise the Lord. What is anointing? And I just, as as we're going into this message today, and hopefully by the end you'll feel encouraged. But I'm going to have Brother Todd walk through here. Just raise your hand up when he comes to you. When I say the word anoint or anointing, what does it mean to you? Favor from God. Excellent. Anybody else right over here, Todd? Gift from God. Gift from God. Salvation. Salvation. To be touched by God. Amen. Protection. At one mint, bringing us together. Mm. Yes, as one. Excellent. Thank you. Power from God. Excellent. Blessings. Blessings. Anyone else? Slip your hand up if it comes. Uh, over here, Steve in the back corner. Chosen. Chosen. Praise the Lord. Right up front here. All that God has to offer, I the word anointing to me, I can kind of visualize all of God, just everything he has to offer being poured on me. Being poured, ah, that's a great illustration, being poured on you, excellent. Anyone else? <laughs> to be selected to do something by God. To be selected, excellent, good point. Well, I just wanted to kind of get your viewpoint on it, because again, we've heard so many things in regard to Anointing, the word anoint. We know that the oil has been used. We see people anointed with oil. We uh, see in the Old Testament, even when uh, Aaron was anointed, oil was poured on him. Saul was anointed, oil was poured on him. David was anointed, oil was poured on him. And so throughout Scripture, you know, even if we go all the way back to Isaiah, it talks about the anointing, the yoke being broken, and the anointing coming. You know, when I think of Anointing, I think of lotion. You're like, what's that mean? And ointment. You smear it on you, right? You rub it on you. And this time of the year, everybody's all dried out. You're falling to pieces. You take your socks off and half your body falls apart. Because it's dry skin. It's Ohio. So what are we doing? We're putting ointment on us. And so every day of our life, we're lathering up and we're getting an anointing. So the word anoint actually does mean to smear or rub something all over an object. And when we are anointed with the Holy Spirit, we are rubbed all over. We are smeared all over with the Holy Ghost. And when you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, there's something about you that is noticeably different. And the stronger the anointing, the more others notice And then they'll say about you, there is something different about that person. There's something different about you. Yet most, if not all, 
will not know what it is. They do not understand what caused the change. They can't put their finger on it. Yet they see that there is something different about you. Why? For you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. He lives, he abides, and he dwells in you. You've got character. You've got honesty. You're one of those who keeps their words. Your words, your actions are uplifting to those around you. So, what happens when you are anointed? Well, you begin to see radical favor in your life. And I'm going to go through different things in regard to an anointing. God will open doors for you. Doors that could not possibly open on your own. There's that favor part of it. Now, in one way, the anointing is a free gift of God that you receive in His grace, in His mercy. But on the other hand, there is a price to pay for that anointing. I'm going to read a story. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. And you've heard Diana sing about the alabaster box, Mary's alabaster box. And there was an anointing that was in there from Mary. And, uh, but I would like to read this to you as Mary anoints Jesus. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Did I say Roman? It's John. John 12, verses 1 through 8. Thank you. I don't know where Romans came from. I'm like on the third page of my message. Lord, what are you trying to teach us right now? No, I apologize. Sorry about that. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I'm like, why do I hear people talking? I hear my daughter over there. Dad, let me help you out here. Here's your cue card. How about if we start this over again? Verse number one. Now we can all be in one accord. For those listening, that's John chapter 12, verses one through eight. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor, that sweet fragrance of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, leave her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. I'm going to stop just for a minute. What I want to explain to you is that Mary was acknowledging the death of Jesus. 
the sweet-smelling fragrance, so she was acknowledging that he was the Messiah who will be dying for her sins. So then we go ahead and we move over to Mark chapter 14. That's Matthew, Mark chapter 14. And that is not Romans. That's Mark 14, 3 through 9. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and spicknard, very precious, and she broke the box and did what? Poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, for more than 300 denarii, and had been given to the poor, and they murmured. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me you have, not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken for a memorial of her. For remembrance of her. And then I'm going to finish with Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Matthew 26, 6 through 13. Don't you love to hear the word of God? The pages in the Bible turning. I'm so grateful to have the word to be able to refer to. Because I know that iPhones, iPads, iPods, the batteries do go dead. But God's word will never go dead. Praise the Lord. That was a good thought. I don't know where that came from, but I'm going to remember that and write that one down. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Does it sound like I'm slightly redundant here? Am I going over this and going over this and going over? I want for a re- I want to for a reason. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, "To what is this waste? To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor." When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, "Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me have not always. For that she hath poured this anointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily." I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for memorial of her. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Teach us. Lord, we just pray that you'll equip us, enable us, allow your anointing to flow and to fall in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement. Lord, we just pray that you'll break open Break out, and that there might be a breakthrough that will receive the anointing that is due us. Father, thank you for your son Jesus, for the great gift of salvation. For those that will accept it, receive it, and live a life for you. In your holy name we pray. Lord, speak through me today. Amen. I gave you three references to the same story. In all three of those references, here she acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. That's one. Two, we also notice in the story that 
they were saying, why are you using such an expensive ointment? And I had to stop and reflect upon just that story in itself because I thought to myself, why are we always frightened? Why are we always afraid? And why is everything of value to us, but he is not of value to us? Why is everything of value to us, but he is not of value to us? Well, pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is she comes in, she takes that alabaster box, she takes that old clay jar, whatever was in there, she broke it open and she pours it on Jesus. She took what she had, a precious ointment, something that meant something to her, that was acknowledged at the death of loved ones that they poured on because it is a sweet-smelling perfume. But now I'm going to ask you this. Isn't it sad that when we see the Spirit of God move today, we're frightened by it? Because churches aren't seeing it. People don't see the power of God through an anointing. And in our evangelical circles, we get a little bit frightened. In our conservative denominational circles, we get a little bit frightened because all of a sudden we say, Oh no, they've turned charismatic. And it frightens them. And yet, when I look at this, Jesus said, hold on just a minute. I want you to do this as a remembrance of me. Let's just stop for just a minute and we ponder on that thought. We think about that thought because my thought was this. Watch. Did they really need a new sound system? The old sound system was doing just fine. (sighs) Did they really have to get those new chairs in the church? The old pews were just fine. Did we really have to have a church van? We only drive it twice a month. Hold on a minute. Isn't it funny all the little things that we make as our focus? And Jesus said, hold on just a minute. Remember my father. Remember this moment. It's a special moment of humility and love and adoration for Jesus. I thought it was amazing. But we're so distracted by what's going on around us that we really miss seeing and experiencing the everlasting God. I love to come to church and to experience just the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Just to experience the anointing of God. So if I'm in my office downstairs and and I pray, I want to pray over the word, pray over my message, and then ask God to do something, to anoint the message. Anoint me. Rub the Holy Spirit all over me. And I know, I was nine years old, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, baptized at 13, surrendered to preach at 15 years of age, and here we are today. That's the rest of the story. And yet, I knew as a little boy, you guys, I know that Jimmy Swagger fell, and this thought just came to my mind, but in my conservative background that I grew up in, I remember the old song, turned on the record player, and yes, some of you young people may not even know what a record player is, but I turned on a record player, they're made, I think, out of leather, or whatever that vinyl binding is, or whatever, not leather, but vinyl, and put it on, and I hear, uh, leather, that wouldn't even play, vinyl, okay, I put it on the record player and I heard him sing, 
I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Do you remember that song? I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Now, this is me. I'm 17 years old, waiting for a couple of my buddies to come over. I go over to the record player. I turn it on and I'm doing this in the house. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Woo! I shall not be, I shall. Woo! My parents weren't home. And if they were home, they'd have thought, what just happened to our son? I was so filled with the spirit. I just want to go back to that moment. Every time I close my eyes. Because just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. When you have the flowing and the anointing of God, the equipping, the enabling of God, He starts to do a work in and through you that otherwise you would never be able to do. If you would, please turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. First John chapter two, verse 20. And I love this. Remember the old show was it on PBS or something? Junction, junction, what's your function? Every time I read this verse, I can't help but remember that. Because in the King James Version, you might have other translations. But in the KJV in verse John... Chapter 2, verse 20 says, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. An unction. You have an unction. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I had an unction going on. (laughs) Reminds me of one of the messages I did a couple years back about spittle. And, And now I've got this unction. I love how it's interpreted here. The word actually unction is anointing from the Holy One, God. I love that. It does not say that somebody or someday you will be anointed if you really try hard. It says you have been anointed. I love that in the scriptures. And you have received knowledge You know the truth, and the Scripture says, you know all things. The power of Almighty God in and through your life manifesting itself and coming out, and all of the giftings are used for Him. It's awesome, and I love that. So then it says in verse 27... But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but it's the same anointing that teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Isn't that awesome? You shall abide in him. Turn, if you would, please, go to John 16, verse 13. And we're going to do a little bit of a theological study here right now on the anointing. Anointing is mentioned over 20 times in the New Testament. 
We're not going to go through all of those scriptures this morning. And then I'll, I'll wrap it all up and just show you, you know, uh, different parts of the anointing. John sixteen thirteen says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. 2 Corinthians... 121. Got you turning back and forth here this morning. Here we are. Now he which established us with you in Christ, he that establishes us hath anointed us. Who is he? He is God. Isn't that wonderful? He is God. The unction you received from him abides permanently in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you have been born again, he is in you. And he abides in you permanently and he is not going to leave you. The scripture goes on to state, so you have no need that anyone should instruct you. Now, when it does say that, you do not need anyone to instruct you, does not mean that you do not need to be taught through Christian preaching and teaching. It means that you do not need someone telling you all of the time how you should run your life. Because you have God and the Holy Spirit lives in you, inside your very being, leading you and guiding you. I love that. The Holy Spirit leading us. Let me give you an illustration. Nine and a half years ago, my wife and I go to Florida. We're at the Holy Land Experience. Has anybody been there yet in Florida, Orlando, Florida? Wonderful place. If you've never gone, they really just, you know, we, we, make, we make time and money for Walt Disney World. But they don't teach you the word of God. You've got to go there. It's really, it was an amazing, amazing uh, experience for us. And when it said Holy Land experience, you felt like you were in the Holy Lands. They really brought the word of God to life. And we were walking through what used to be uh, like a Roman courtyard where they do some of the plays. And as I was walking, this lady walks up to me. And my wife, and we were going through some things in, in our life. And she walks right up and says, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. I said, yes. She took me by the hand and she says, do you mind if I can tell you a word from the Lord? I gave her one of those looks. Excuse me, a word from the Lord. And at first I was a little bit alarmed. And yet, here's what she said. She started speaking. She knew exactly what was going on in our life. And... I just started bawling. Never has anybody ever done that to me before. Well, you know, being raised in in my conservative background, I'm thinking, what just took place? I walked away from her. My wife and I went over there. And we sat down and went, wow, that was amazing. You know why? Because she said this. You started a church. And God's going to bless your life. You've gone through some hardship in the ministry. But it's okay. 
Because God's hands upon your life. And this new ministry that you have, she didn't know I started a new church. This new ministry that you have, God's really going to bless you. And I'm looking at her like, were we just talking? Do I have a mic on me or something? Did she just hear us? It was such a wonderful experience of God's anointing in her life. I walked away from my wife and said, wow, I've, that really does exist. Her and I were like, wow, this was amazing. And I'm, I'm not kidding. We walked over, sat in the grass, and both wept. She knew everything that took place in the last two years of our life. And so I walked away and I said, and, and it wasn't discouraging. She wasn't preaching. She just said, this is what's going to happen. God's going to give you a building. I'm like, honey, I, it was just amazing. And as I was preaching this message, and as we look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says there, you have been anointed of the Holy One, and all you have, all of you have knowledge. All of you have all things. You have the power. Why have we limited God? Listen, church, we have limited God from working in and through our lives. Here's what we say to Him. I'm not doing that. That's scary. That frightens me. Well, there's a lot of things that frighten. God says do everything in decency and order. But when that indwelling Holy Spirit starts to manifest itself and reveal himself, wow, God does an amazing work. I know that in my life, being a young man, I never understood, you know, uh, discernment. And I used to to tell my wife and my twin sister, I used to write stuff down. I'd tell them who was going to the altar. But because we were raised very fundamental Baptists, you did not show any, any, any charismatic whatsoever. You just made sure your, your suit was buttoned and you didn't move out of line. Because if you did, don't even raise your hand. I'm thinking to myself, the more I got into the Word of God, I'm thinking, you just... You, you didn't allow the Holy Spirit to worship today. But we can go to a Cleveland Indians game and go crazy? But we can't go crazy over God? God wants us to be crazy for Him. And that's where that anointing flows. And I love that. That You know what? I, I started noticing in my life that as I was writing down things and I would tell her and you know just all of the, the different things that have taken place in my life, I said, yep, there's an anointing. There's an anointing. There's an anointing. And in 10 years since we started New Hope Christian Fellowship, this is the first time I've ever spoken on the anointing of God. Because I've seen it real in my life. See, if we were to go back to Romans chapter 7, I told you I was over on page 3. If we were to go back to Romans chapter 7, it talks about the law of the old man, the carnal side, that we no longer live in. We live in grace. Praise the Lord. We're free. We're no longer in bondage. We're free. We're living in victory. And Romans 7 says, listen, don't yield to the old man. Don't yield to the carnal side of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. And so as I looked into the the Word, and I was looking at this, I'm thinking, man, that's awesome. I want my daughters, I want my loved ones, I want my church family to walk in the Spirit. I want you to have life, and I want you to live in victory, because that's what Jesus wants for you. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus died to the law. And when He died, 
we died. Praise God for his atonement upon the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Praise God for now we have a brand new way of life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. However, we're led by the promptings, by the gentle promptings and urges, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I love the Trinity because I see it evident in and through my Christian life. You are led by the anointing that lies within your being. You see, when there's an anointing, when there's an experience, there will also be peace. The Bible says a peace that passes all understanding. And now for me to say, when I walked away from there, were you bothered, honey, in your spirit? Did you, when that woman down at the Holy Land, were you like, I don't believe a word she said? No. We had full peace. Nobody's done it since. But yet, to this day, as I was planning this sermon, wow, there's the peace that passes all understanding. How many of you would agree with me? It's hard to, to understand sometimes. We're all there. We're all, we're all growing. But I know in my life, I want to have victory in Jesus there is a peace. However, when there's an anointing, not only is there peace, there's joy. And I'll show that to you. And when you're following the anointing, you will do the right thing. You will do, and you'll do the wise thing. You will no longer be led by your feelings. You'll no longer be led by your emotions. You'll no longer do the emotional thing. You will do the wise thing. So we saw in John, in Mark, and in Matthew... We saw there the evidence that there was Mary who had the alabaster jar. Now, this jar was filled with an ointment, an extremely expensive sweet perfume. So what did she do? Mark tells us, and we read it, that she broke open the jar. And it had the sweet smelling perfume, and she did what? She poured it out, right? Okay. The jar had to be broken. She had to be... She had to break open the clay jar. Why? So that the oil would be released. See, that's the Holy Spirit in us. He requires that we, us, the clay jar, He requires that we're broken. That we're broken and spilled out for Him. And when we do, the gifts that God has placed in us will be poured out. Listen, church, we must be broken. The flesh must be broken. We must allow rebellion to be broken. Stubbornness and an independent pride to be broken. And listen to me. When you're broken, then God can impact your life. He can anoint your life. And you start to see God do something in and through your life. We have to be broken. Job was broken. And as we said this morning in our, our men's class, God gave him double for his trouble. God blessed him. God anointed him. When we do the sweet perfume of the Holy Spirit, it will flow freely from our very being. And we need to make sure, 
that we allow the Holy Spirit to impact all of who we are, impact our mind, impact our will, and impact our emotions. We do not have a spirit problem if we are born again. We have a soul problem. It is what the Apostle Paul called walking in the flesh, to have that carnal mind, as it continues over in Romans 8. And a carnal Christian is one who follows those animal impulses, emotional, fleshly impulses. You follow your own thoughts. You follow your own will, the crowd, peer pressure, your own feelings. Church, we do not need to be like that. We have the anointing, and we need to learn to walk daily in that anointing. Now, I'm going to take you back, and then we'll move forward, and we'll be done this morning. I want you to turn, if you would, please, into 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. We'll go through this quickly, as we notice that Saul had to be anointed before he could be king. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1 says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil. And poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? So God, here he was, he was chosen. Samuel anoints Saul. And yet, we go over to verse 6, watch this. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with him, and shalt be turned into another man. Now, we go over to verse 10. And it says, and when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of the prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. But I'm going to go back to verse six, where it actually says in the latter part and shall be turned into another man. The anointing of Saul held spiritual significance. Was that God? God did something in King Saul's life, didn't he? Samuel anointed him. He changed. He wasn't the old man. It said he became a new man. So the question is this. If you're a new creation in Christ, does your characteristics mirror that of him? Do you live your life in Christ? Do you have an anointing on your life. How about this? I've had people tell me before. Yes, I have accepted Christ as my Savior. I've been baptized. And I look at them. And I'm not there to judge their salvation. But I am there to question in my head and go. But you haven't changed. I've not seen fruit from your life. Now, if you have a tree and it's healthy, you're going to have fruit off of that tree. Right? And the Bible says you shall know them by the fruits that they bear. So when I look at somebody's life, I have to question and go, wait a minute, I don't see, that's not evident. It's not manifested in your life. If you're saved, then the anointing will flow on your life. Even David knew. Watch, we can turn over into 1 Samuel chapter 24. Turn back just a few pages with me. 1 Samuel 24. (coughs) 
1 Samuel 24, 6 says this. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Even David acknowledged King Saul's anointing. And then we go over to verse 9. And let me go back just a little bit. I want to read verse 7 too. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. Now we're going to look at 26.9. 26.9 says this. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. He identified his anointing. Isn't that amazing? Even David saw it in his life. Do we acknowledge those that are leaders, kings, prophets, pastors, apostles, teachers... Have we acknowledged their anointing in their life? If, you, if I said to you, God's given out anointing today, how many of you would like to receive it? Well, it's yours. And you can receive it. You just have to believe it. And live your life in Christ. So we come to this part. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will be turned into something that will absolutely shock and amaze. Not only everyone around you, but it will also amaze you. For you see, the word anoint sounds too spiritual for some of you, but it does simply mean to enable or to equip. It is a gifting that comes to you to enable you to do something, something that you would not do naturally. It is beautiful. It is such a beautiful thing. And if we will only break open us, the jar of clay, and we are not just anointed for spiritual things, we need an anointing for anything and everything that we do in life. Ready for this? You can cry out for an anointing to be a parent. You better cry out for God for an anointing to be a husband, a good husband. And a good wife. And you better cry out for God's anointing in your work and in your business. And I hope and pray that if you are running a business, you have an anointed business. If you want the business to succeed. God, pour out your anointing. Equip us. Enable this church to see souls saved and lives changed for the kingdom. That's what God expects from all of us. He wants to enable you to be better than you were before you walked through those doors on a cold, snowy day in Ohio. He wants to anoint your life. God anoints people for business. God anoints people for organization. God anoints people for helps because we are a part of the body of Christ. You see, the kings were anointed. David was anointed. Saul was anointed. Church, you must have the anointing to walk in God's will. 
So we need to break open the jars. Break open brings a sweet-smelling savor. It gets rid of the old. It allows God's holy presence to live and to dwell within us. That's obedience. That's maturity in your faith. God has enabled us. God has equipped us for what? For his purpose. To do his work and to do his will. This anointing, the enabling power of the Holy Ghost, helps us to be victorious in life, to be used powerfully in the kingdom of God. Listen, that power's in us, is released not by us, but through us, as God sees that we are mature enough to walk in it, to handle it. So what do you mean by that? You heard me talk about the fruit tree. A fruit tree is heavy with fruit. If it does not have deep roots and a storm comes by, what's going to happen to that fruit tree? It's going to fall over, isn't it? So what he's saying here is we need to be deeply rooted in God, rooted in his word, and rooted in prayer. We must hear his voice. I'm going to just show you something here. I have a light here. Here's the light. Now, I can't turn this light on. I can't turn it off. I can't do anything with this light. It's actually useless for me. The only way I can use this light is to walk over to a source of power and to plug it in. So I plug the light in and it turns on. What just happened? A light came on. Now, if I wanted to see in dark places, I'd be able to use the light. You know, so you can use the light to see. Let's, let's make this relevant for us today. We are the church. You are the Christian. And if you want people to see Christ in your life, would you just plug into his power source? So you then become the light to the world in Matthew chapter 5, 16. You know, we don't want to hide our light underneath a bushel. We want it to shine. That's the anointing of God. That is the power of God. And we need to plug in to that Holy Spirit power. God wants us to break open. He wants us to surrender our lives, to surrender our will to him, to be broken and spilled out, used up for him. Is that you today? Are you surrendered? God wants us to break open the jars of clay like Mary did. She broke it open. He wants to look at your life and say, there's something sweet about your life. There's fruit in your life. I see the light in your life. That's the anointing. I love what God wants us to do. He wants us to surrender to our will and to His will. And when we do that, we move in faith. He says, not my will be done, but thine be done. Steps of obedience, spiritual power, And we cannot buy power with our obedience. But I believe that when we are obedient, it portrays that we are mature enough for God to release the power and the anointing in our life. You see, the alabaster jar, it needed to be broken for a sweet perfume to be poured out. We need to let this clay jar, this outer shell, this fleshly nature, our will to be broken. You see, there are wonderful things that lay inside for every single one of you. 
Who put it there? God did. God put those giftings, those talents in your life. You probably say, well, Pastor, this was kind of deep. I'm getting a little bit confused over this anointing. Well, I will tell you this. I tried to as simple as I can. Many times I'll, I have my anointing oil that's up here. People will say, Pastor, can you anoint my head with oil? And I'm, yes, I can. Pastor, we need an anointing. I've been to a hospital. Uh, there was a lady who used to come to this church. She was having all kinds of problems. They thought she had a stroke. My wife and I went in there. She looked right at me and says, Pastor, can you anoint me with oil? I said, do you believe that God has the healing power, healing element to heal your mind, body? And she said, yes, I do. I said, I'm going to take this oil. And I'm going to put it on your forehead. And we're going to believe that God's going to take away what they said was a stroke, which was uh, some blood blockage in your brain. Now, do I have a million of these stories? I do not. But her faith made her whole. She was anointed. The doctor came back. They said, okay, we're going to take you down for your MRI and CAT scan and all the other stuff of her body. And as she went down, they came back. The doctor walked in, scratched his head and said, something's not making sense here. And she goes, oh, what? He goes, this shows that you had a stroke. This shows there was no evidence of a stroke. That's the anointing and power of God. He healed her. So he said, pack your bags up. And she sung zippity-doo-dah out of the hospital. <laughs> Praising God all the way out. That's the fresh anointing of God. God can do that if you'll allow him. Don't be intimidated by it. Allow him to do that. Allow him to bust apart that outer shell and allow the Spirit of God to become real in your life. And when you do new hope, you will, your life will be filled to overflowing with the sweet perfume of the Holy Spirit. If the ushers will please take their place. I have an illustration that I want to show you this morning. Never done this before in a church, but we're going to do it today. And... Uh, and I hope that you get this illustration. It's something simple, profound that we thought about. And uh, as I was sharing this message with my wife, she's great at visual uh, illustrations. So, men, if you'll pass those out to, to everybody in the congregation, one per person, do not do anything with this stick that we're going to give you. Okay, youth? An electric light only functions when it's connected to the source power. It cannot get close to being connected. It has to be connected. And anything less, and the electricity can't flow through the ball, producing lights. And that's why I showed you exactly what happens when we plug in to an outlet. And if you will plug into God, the same thing will take place in your life. It's the same with us. When we pretend to be connected to the Holy Spirit, we can't be almost connected. We have to be connected. And if we aren't, then his anointing can't flow through us, touching those around us. And so that brings us to this point this morning. So does everybody have one here this morning? Yeah, go ahead. If you can, if there's one left. Thank you. We have a stick here that serves no purpose. It's dark, youth. Do not do anything with this yet, Jacob. Justin. Liz. Oh, kids. 
When I think of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this is our life. And I want you to take this with you, hold it up like this, and when you break it right in the center, what takes place? It starts to glow. Isn't that amazing? So as you start to break the stick, you'll start to notice that it starts to get brighter and brighter and brighter. So if we shut the lights off in the sanctuary on a bright day, everybody wave your stick up. Let's see. You can see the anointing. <laughs> Isn't that cool? What a, what a simple illustration. You can turn it on. So we start to notice God doing amazing things all through the building. That's just a simple illustration. And this is just an illustration. Here's what I want you to see is that through your life, you need to be a glow stick. You need to take this stick as a reminder, stick it in your house, and allow the anointing of God to really break open just a small part of your life. And if you'll notice, what, what happened? It started growing, didn't it? You had to break all members of this stick. And that's the same way about our Christian life. If you're filled with pride, God's not going to allow you to glow. God's not going to allow you to shine. He says, for he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Break open your jars. Let God do something in and through your life. I want you to turn, if you would, please. Isaiah. Isaiah 10.27, and we'll leave you with this verse today. Isaiah 10.27. Every time I see these little sticks, I want to think, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That was good there, John. Let's think about this verse. And it goes right in reference to this. Isaiah chapter ten twenty seven says, And it shall come to pass in that day, when his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Isn't that awesome? Say this with me. Thank you, Father, for my anointing. Thank you, Father, for my anointing. I break the yoke. Of bondage in my life. Thank you for my anointing. Now you can live a victorious Christian life. You can try. We live in a sinful world. And I want you to leave today knowing this. That as a child of God. If you have needs. I have oil that's up here. And if you feel like there's something that's maybe financially, mentally, physically. I've had uh, just two anointing services in the ten years that I've been here. This morning, if you have a need and you want anointed, we'll anoint you. We'll pray over you today. God wants to do something great in your life. God is good to all of us. And if we'll just break open the darkness, that old jar, that clay, snap it, shatter it, break it. As you do that, you'll start to see the Holy Spirit. There's nothing sweeter to me than to be in my study, to be up here preaching, and for God to give me a thought. And he changes the whole course of my message.
That's the anointing of God. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, would you please come? If you've never been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, let us pray with you. Let us sit set that up and get you baptized. Maybe you've been praying about joining a church and you feel like God wants you to join. You move. But more than anything, I think all of us as Christians need to say, God, reveal your anointing in my life. Allow me to glow for you. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Father. For just simple truths, but yet, Lord, you anointed. Even Samuel went to Saul and said, Saul, I have to remove the anointing from your life. Oh, God, don't remove the anointing from our life. Lord, continue to allow it to flow. Let it be a stream of living water. Let it be a light to a dark, sinful world. God, help us to fall in love with you. Help us to receive this fresh anointing. And Lord, help us as we kneel at your feet, Lord, to be in an attitude of humility, Lord, to use us. Lord, the old song that says, or the contemporary song, Give Me Jesus, Lord, we ask that maybe for some today that don't know you, they'll come to the saving grace of Jesus. Father, thank you for your sweet anointing in our lives. Lord, equip us. Enable us, empower us, Lord, to be the parents, to be the teachers, the supervisors, the workers that we need to be. Father, we we know that all things come from you and it's all possible through you. We can't do anything in our own strength. Lord, move in the service today. Thank you, Father, for your word and encouragement. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing, Give Me Jesus. And today, if if you feel like, yes, I I need prayer, come on up. If not, you stay where you're at and just just pray and worship and um, enjoy the sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord. If you'll sing with us, please.